One of the best ways that God can train us and, and really help us grow in the things of God is when we learn how to become faithful in something that's another man's. And as I was sharing last week, you know, when Michelle and I stepped out of Bible school, you know, we had been given all the head knowledge that we needed to potentially know how to start a church and, you know, how to do certain aspects of the church. And I would say Michelle and I both had a gifting in that area. We found out what our calling was, that I was called to pastor, that Michelle had really a heart of more of an evangelist, but together, you know, we would pastor together. We were called and we were gifted, but the only thing that we were missing was experience. And a lot of times people want to skip the experience part and just get the rewards or the blessings that come from experience. You know, I, I say this all the time, you know, Michelle and I, uh, when we left JSMI and we went to Bible school there for four years, we served faithfully. I worked for Dr. Jerry Savelle, greatest four years of my life. They were was wonderful. God called Michelle and I back here to Houston, where we came on staff at West Houston Christian Center. I came on staff as an executive pastor. Michelle, she's taken over our children's department and is still there today. And we began to serve and to serve and to serve and to grow and to grow and to grow. But, you know, we were faithful for almost 20 plus years, really 24 years. And then the time came for us to step into the role as the lead pastor. Well, our faithfulness is what got us to that place. We were faithful for 24 years. We were faithful to the call of God, faithful to Pastors Jack and Mary Jean Pigeon, who are still here. God bless them. We were faithful to God, you know, didn't mean that we didn't have obstacles, you know, we were able to raise three great kids, you know, in this environment and, you know, and have a family and, and do all those things. But when we stepped in as, as senior pastors, even though our faithfulness got us to that place, it did not give us the experience. And so what Michelle and I really did See, and I wasn't going to talk about this, but one of my favorite verses in Hebrews talks about a completed experience, and it talks about Jesus, and it talks about that even Jesus um, had to go through a completed experience so that he could become perfectly equipped so that he could become. Each and every one of us right now are going through a completed experience. Each and every one of us, no matter where you are in your life, there is some experience that you need to get from that place in your life that is going to be beneficial for the next race you're about to run. I like to say it like this. You know, when we start running on a track, when we get saved, we, you know, we start running on a track. And when we're running on that track, we're gaining endurance. Uh, we're learning to be faithful. You know, we are gathering everything we can because at the, when we have all the experience we need from that track, a door is going to open and we're going to step out onto another track. This track's going to be a little bit bigger, and it's going to be a little bit longer, but yet I need that experience because there's another door that's going to open, and there's even a bigger track. And so don't ever try and rush the, the joy of gaining the experience that you need to become everything that God has called you to do. And a lot of times that experience comes through serving. It comes through actually serving someone else. It comes through submitting ourselves to another person or, or, or persons so that we can learn to develop the character. You know, let's just be honest. It's, it's important that we have somebody in our life that can tell us no. 
it's important that we have accountability. It's important that we trust the people that are in our lives that if someone says, you know, no, we are not, you are not going to do that right now. This is not the time for that. What I do when someone tells me no is going to check out my character every single time. How you handle that word no is going to check you out every single time. And, and I've had it happen time and time again. I thought I was doing great, had a great idea, and then went and presented it, and it was no. Well, why not? I, I, I mean, I heard from God. Why can't it? Why, why does it have to be no? And a lot of times, it's not really about the project or what you're wanting to do. It's about the issue of your heart. You know, when someone tells us no, how does that make you feel? How does that, is there, is there something in us, the stubbornness that says, no, I'm going to do it anyway? No. So it's important. We were never created to live isolated from each other or from God. God never created us to go live in a monastery some way away from everybody else because it's only through living with each other do we begin to actually grow, do we actually begin to learn how to communicate, conflict resolution, how to work through problems, how to live with one another, how to prefer one another. You can't learn those things by yourself. And so all I'm saying all that to say this is that, you know, you might be the most gifted person in the world, but if you don't develop your character, if you don't have that completed experience, your gifting is going to be so limited, or as we found out in Joseph's case last week, they can actually even become deadly. Joseph, at the beginning of his life, was interpreting his own dreams. And every one of the dreams that Joseph had were correct. Everything that Joseph saw was correct. What's the problem? Joseph was interpreting, he was using his gifting on himself. And when he used his gifting on himself, it almost got him killed by his brothers because the dreams were that they were all gonna bow down to him, that he was gonna be some sort of a savior. Was that true? Absolutely, and that's exactly what happened. But now if you trace through everything that Joseph went through in his life, you come to the end of his life, and when he was in prison, now he's able to not interpret his own dreams, but he interprets the dreams of the cupbearer for the king and of the chief baker. And God gave him a gift, but now instead of using that gift on himself, he used it on others. And he was 100% accurate with both dreams, both of the cupbearer and the baker. But yet, <laughs> he told the cupbearer, he said, look, I've been in prison for a long time. Please tell somebody, you know, help me get out of here when the time comes. Well, two years go by, and now all of a sudden, Pharaoh is um, having these dreams. And so people are all over Egypt, like, how do we interpret the dream? You know, what do we do? How do I interpret this? No one knows. None of the Pharaoh's chief um, soothsayers or magicians or anybody around him as chief counselors, none of them could interpret the dream that he was having. But then all of a sudden, that cupbearer remembered Joseph. And Joseph, now at the end of his life, is now able to stand before Pharaoh. He has now gained all of the experience. Now, there would be a lot of people that would think, you know, that God took Joseph and God put him in that pit and God made him in Potiphar's house, and God put him in prison. I do not believe that that's the way that that was supposed to go. 
I truly believe that had the father, Jacob, done his job and treated Joseph the way he treated the other brothers, where Joseph's character could have been developed at a younger age, God would not have to have moved him somewhere else so that he could be raised. The father abdicated raising his son and wanted to just make him favorable and not make him work because he favored him the most. But in reality, he enabled Joseph because Joseph never learned a hard day's work. Uh, he never learned what it was like to be a part of a team. He never learned what it was like to go work, you know, 40, 50, 60, 80 hours a week in, in harsh conditions and how to be faithful in that thing. Now, as soon as Joseph went into Egypt, his gifting started working. But here's what's so cool. The Bible says that Joseph began to serve Potiphar. When Joseph began to serve, Joseph's life took off. Now, all of a sudden, his gifting, because he was highly favored, and now his character began to work together, and all of a sudden, everything in Potiphar's house, everything in his life, began to increase and increase and increase to the point where he now became attractive to the Egyptian's wife. And we all know, now let's talk about that real quick. Well, God must have wanted Joseph to throw him in prison so he could teach him something else. No, no, no. If you look very, very closely in Genesis, it says that this woman had made eyes on Joseph and propositioned him many times. He knew what was in the house. But the Bible also says that one day, Joseph went into the house when all the other men were gone. Joseph made a bad decision. Had Joseph had a little bit more wisdom and a little bit more character, he would have never gone back into that house. So what happens then? She accuses Joseph. She has his robe. She has him thrown into prison. And let's be real honest. If Potiphar really believed that Joseph did what his wife said that he did, they would have killed him. They would have killed him right then and there. But because Joseph was gifted, because he was making him money, because he had probably knew his wife, that he was able to be put in prison. Now, God did not put Joseph in prison to teach him something. Joseph went into prison, and in spite of being in prison, God was able to use that opportunity to help gain him more, to develop his gifting. It says that the, the warden put everything under Joseph's feet, under his hand. Everything that happened, now all of a sudden, he's running the prison, just like he was running Potiphar's house, and just like he was running the prison. He was in charge of everything. And now his character and his gifting, and as we said, those two royal people came into the prison. One was the cupbearer, one was the chief baker. Both of them had dreams. Now all of a sudden, Joseph is not interpreting his own dream. Now Joseph has learned something. Joseph has learned that it's not all about him. Joseph learned what we all have to learn in our life when, when it comes to serving and submitting and those types of things, that the whole world doesn't revolve around us. That if we'll use our gifting to help somebody else, it can bring freedom to masses of people. And because of Joseph, Joseph could have Joseph didn't owe those two men anything, but yet he used his gifting, he sowed his gift, and because of it, he was elevated to the point where he became prime minister all over of, uh, of Egypt. And because really of Joseph, you know, when Joseph became prime minister, um, it was his plan to set up all of the, the warehouses so all the grain for the surplus could be stored. 
And when all the people came buying it, it was his idea to say, well, let's, we'll take all of your money. Then next, well, we'll take all of your livestock. Then next, we'll take all of your land. Then next, we'll take all of you. It was because of Joseph that they made Egypt the biggest, most profitable, mighty nation the world had ever seen. And it was because one man let his character and his gifting grow up together. You know, one of the hardest lessons that we can learn and one of the biggest things we even want to teach our kids is learning to be faithful. And uh, let me give you one of my favorite verses. Uh, this is in Psalms 25, 19. It says, confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble is like a bad tooth and a foot out of joint. What do a, um, a, a bad tooth and a foot out of joint have in common? Both of them only hurt when you put pressure on them. When we put people in positions who are not faithful, when we go to put pressure on them, they buckle and they break. And, and because of that, then they're not able to perform the service or the duty that we've asked them to do. Our world, I think one of the greatest witnesses that we can be as a Christian, I'm not saying even just in the church, I'm saying in the workplace, um, um, all in, in every way of life, that if people see someone who is faithful, uh, not just gifted, see, we celebrate people that are gifted. You know, if they can put a ball in a hoop, if they can throw a ball far, if they can sing, if they can dance, if they're gifted. That's wonderful. That gifting's great, and it's making them millions and millions of dollars. But they do they have any character? What happens to them when all the limelight is over? What happens to them when your gifting can no longer take you any farther? What happens to them when you never develop the character all along the way? See, the, the world is screaming for faithful men and women. There are pastors all over the world that are saying, Lord, send me some faithful people to help me get this job done. The Great Commission is made up of people that are faithful. You have to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Only faithful people can do that. Uh, another great verse, a faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Notice that it doesn't say a gifted man will abound with blessings. It says a faithful man. Your, you know, and I've said this before, your faithfulness in the earth is your resume in heaven. How you treat the things in earth and how you work for somebody else is the direct, your resume of how God can use you or promote you next. Be faithful wherever you are. Put your hand to the plow. We should all find our place to serve. It's our reasonable service. Um, be faithful in what God has called you to do and let faithfulness, let it just cover your whole life. Be faithful in your marriage. Be faithful with raising your kids. Be faithful in your job. Be faithful to his word, but be faithful to yourself also. We'll see you next week.